This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Thanks for tuning in. We're back in Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6, and I'm reading verses 11 and 12. The writer says, We desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Somebody once said, before you give up, first remember why you held on for so long. And in the same way, Christians, in reminding themselves of why they were hanging on, why why they became a Christian to begin with, uh, we will find renewal and motivation to continue to be Christians, to continue to fight the good fight. You know, we discussed last week how, or we noted rather, how the Hebrews came into danger, how they were regressing in chapter 5, and all the statements and phrases that the writer used to describe their lack of maturity and how they were in need of milk and not solid food, and they were unfamiliar with the Word of God. And this had led to just a host of problems that he's rebuking them for and that he's warning them uh, about the consequences of. And, and when we find ourselves in danger, when we find ourselves sluggish and failing to follow through diligently as they were, it's really a reflection, it's, it's certainly a reflection of our faith, but faith and hope are so um, closely connected that, that the writer mentions it here as well. It's a, it's a reflection. When we're sluggish and we're not zealously doing our best, it's a reflection of a lack of hope. It's, it's a reflection of lack of faith, but it's also a reflection of lack of hope in Christ. Right? This is what God wants us to understand. In the midst of this admonition, the writer says in verse 9, just before the verses that we read, verse 9, he says, We're convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking this way. So the, the writer is expressing his his confidence in, in these people. Paul will do the same thing to the church in Corinth, though he had some difficult things, hard things to say to them, and many in the form of a rebuke. Uh, he was also careful to express his love for them and to assure them that what he was saying, first of all, was inspired, but also for him personally was coming from a place of uh, concern and love, and it, it was in their, their best interest. And he was confident also that they could follow through, that they had the capacity to do what he was telling them that they needed to do. So these saints and these Hebrews in, in this letter had become dull of hearing, as we talked about, undisciplined in the pursuit of their salvation. Uh, and so they're chastised for their lack of effort and their lack of growth and their maturity. But also the writer saying, I essentially believe in you. I'm convinced that you can do better and that you know how to do better. And you're certainly capable. Uh, but the key here is that they and we are, are reminded that it's uh, when we find ourselves in that state of weakness and un- undisciplined, um, un- undisciplined uh, in our spiritual uh, pursuits, we're reminded that it doesn't have to be that way. We're reminded that we can do better. Again, the Holy Spirit was convinced of better things concerning them, and I believe that's true of us as well. He reminds them, for example, of their previous service in verse 10. And he says this, God is not so unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name and having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. 
So he's talking about their service. He's talking about how they served one another, uh, how they loved one another, and that love, uh, they demonstrated that love in, in action. And so he's urging them to show that, to show that earnestness that they had before. Show the same earnestness so that you can retain your hope. In verses 11 and 12 that we read at the beginning. This is what I desire. He says, you show the same earnestness that you had so that you can have that, that full assurance of hope. Retain your hope in the promises of God because they're not going to apply to you if you don't batten down the hatches and be earnest. So there, there is a relationship between faith, hope, and obedience. Faith, hope, and obedience that I think much of the religious world overlooks or would just rather not talk about. And But the Hebrew writer here is he's saying, you've got to seize upon this. Hope is closely related to faith. It's distinct from it, I, I know. But hope, like faith, is instill, instilled only in the believer through the Word of God and their obedience to that Word. There's a marriage between all of these things. Paul notes this in Romans 15. He says, Whatever was written in earlier times, listen to this, was written for our instruction so that through the perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Now, there, there's a whole lot bundled up in that, like what he could be alluding to. He could talk be talking about promises, you know, uh, of the Old Testament in the Word of God, uh, character studies, um, you know, God's... Um, Seeing God's faithfulness and seeing God's power through through the Word, all of that, he says, it's it's written for our instruction. It has a point, and it's to ultimately reassure us, give us hope, so that we will persevere. God's Word gives us hope, no matter how deep the pit, how big the giant, how dark the prison, or insurmountable the odds. You find story after story after story. In a account, I should say, they're not just stories, they're, his, they're history, God repeatedly coming through and delivering his people who trusted in him. And that should give us great encouragement. That's how the scripture gives us hope. So it reveals who God is. It reveals how much he loves us, how close he is to us, that he sees us, and that he is true to his word. And so when we see and we read what he accomplished by his power for his people, we we can still hope even when there seems to be no material grounds for doing so. Because there's going to be many, there have been many, there, there will be many dark and ugly times for God's people. But he always, always gives us reason to hope for the future. Proverbs 23, 17, and 18 says this, Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. God has offered all people a better future. How? By sending His Son. By sending His Son to teach us, to die for us, to forgive us of our sins, and be our King so that our hope can be both sure and steadfast in Him. He was willing to pull out all the stops. He wouldn't even spare His only Son, but would use Him as a perfect sacrifice for our benefit. He's given us every reason to trust Him and to submit to Him. But that's on us. We have to make that decision, the willful, deliberate decision to trust Him, submit to Him, 
And so we ask ourselves, you know, if we're feeling defeated or despondent, when was the last time, when was the last time we really opened God's word and, and to draw near to him and remind ourselves of who he is, what he can do and the promises that he's made and what exactly has he sacrificed for us? Because you do that and I guarantee you're going to find strength. You know, as you encounter the promises of God in Scripture and the conditions also for obtaining those promises, and you and you see the character of God and you see his faithfulness, your hope is going to grow just as assuredly as your faith is going to grow. Isaiah 49, 23, God says, You will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Now we've all been let down. We've all been let down by people we thought would never let us down. Or we've had high expectations of something or some event only to discover that it, it didn't quite live up to the hype. And the great promise of our God is that He's going to deliver. It's not just hype. All that He says is true. Everything He's promised is true. And He can deliver on it. And Paul says He can do so much more than we can even begin to imagine. So no matter how many times we've been disappointed, we can be sure of one thing. God will not disappoint us in the end. Now, cynics and unbelievers, they're going to mock the idea of eternal life. They're going to mock the idea of heaven. They're going to mock the idea of peace and, and permanent joy. And they're going to call it things like dull and boring and you know, just find all sorts of ugly ways to say no thank you. And they think the idea is silly, and surely, you know, people will just get tired or run out of things to do because you know, they, they, they don't know God. They don't know our God. They don't know His very nature and what He's capable of. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our, our thoughts. Job says this, Can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? And Paul says in Romans 11, Oh, the depth and the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. He is saying that he can fulfill our every desire. And we might not even know what those are. We, we yearn for something, and we know that it's not of this world, and nothing in this world can ever satisfy us completely. It's a broken place for all of its beauty and, and for all of the goodness that we can enjoy in it. We, we broke it with sin. And we're only here for a little while. But God's intention is to take us to a place where everything that's wrong is just completely destroyed. There, everything that's bad, guilt, shame, fear, pain, death, it's, it's all gone. Disease, disasters, none of it's there. And that was his original intention for this world. But sin, creating the, the free will of man, we chose to abuse his gifts. And we still do. And everything good and pure and beautiful and true in this life is just a glimpse, just a, a, the smallest taste of what he has prepared. Our hope for that place will be fulfilled. It will be totally realized in ways that we can't even begin to imagine now. Just read 1 Corinthians 15. There's not going to be any shred of doubt that whatever we have suffered here in pursuit of him and in pursuit of his truth it's going to be more than worth it. Romans 8, Paul says, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory 
that is to be revealed to us. And so we need to put our trust in him. He's not going to disappoint us in this life or the next. And so understanding that is key then to our obedience. Let's talk about that last part of the equation. We talked about faith, we've talked about hope and the marriage of those things, but there's there has to be this there has to be obedience too. And notice how the Hebrew writer is connecting these things. How our obedience is also key to retaining hope. Because the enemy's going to attack our minds. He's going to try to deceive us. He's going to try to lead us astray the same way that he deceived Eve. He wants us to doubt the, that God will be true to his word. He wants us to doubt God's promises. And he wants to instill fear through his lies so that he can enslave us. But we have to set our minds on the wonderful truth that if we're Christians, if we are have obeyed Jesus and are striving to take up our cross each and every day, we're saved. And that hope will keep us from surrendering mentally, will keep us, it's going to protect us from doubt. But we have to live the way that Jesus lived. And this is how the writer puts it in verses 11 and 12 that we started with. He talks about uh, ministry, which is just another word for for service. He, he, excuse me, in verse 10, he says, I want you to, again, be earnest Um verse 11 rather show the same earnestness right in other words be be zealous so that so why you can have the full assurance of hope until the end don't be sluggish don't give up right but he talks about faith uh, obtaining the reward uh, through faith and patience that's how we can inherit the promises and so you know, for our our hope of it's hope of salvation is certain, but there's conditions that we have to uh, recognize and submit to. You know, we have faith and knowledge that's giving us hope of eternal salvation that's promised by our God. He cannot lie, and so we we can and should lift our heads high uh, because God's promises are enough, more than enough, to sustain us and give us life. He's not going to allow our hopes to be dashed. And that should motivate us to obedience. You know, the, the it's not just, you know, optimism. It's not uh, wishful thinking. It's, it is sure and steadfast. That's how the Hebrew writer describes it. A hope that is sure and steadfast. He calls it an anchor of the soul. It's immovable. Paul calls it a good hope by grace. So nothing and no one can take it away. Except ourselves. If we make the same mistake the Hebrews were making. And we become undisciplined. We become sluggish. We become unfamiliar with the word. We regress and so on and so forth. You know, without Christ, the world was hopeless. And only in Him, that the world is still hopeless, because only in Him can we be assured of eternal life. When He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, I believe He meant exactly that. And when He said in John eight twenty four that unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins, He meant exactly that. He is exclusive. There is no hope apart from Him, obedience to Him and His gospel. All of our hopes are built upon Christ. Paul says in 1 Timothy 1, he is our hope. And so the Hebrew writer wants Christians to understand that we can have full assurance of hope based on 
our way of life, when we conform to God's word, only then can we inherit the promises. Faith and patience, those are the conditions he lays down to inherit the promises. We must have the patience to endure And in so doing, we can have assurance of hope. The Hebrew writer holds up Abraham as one example. He persevered. He relied firmly on the promise of God. Regardless of appearances, when, when things were looking bad and it seemed like he had, again, no material reason to believe um, what God said was going to happen was actually going to happen, but it did. But it did. Even though he was an old man, Sarah was an old woman. They had the child that God promised that they would have. God took him to the land that he promised to give him and his descendants. He didn't grow faint. He didn't grow weary. But he continued. He had this confident expectation that God would do what he had promised. But Abraham had to obey. Likewise, we... We can have the same full assurance of hope by being diligent, by being faithful, by being patient servants. Again, ministers is the word that the Hebrew writer uses, but that's the idea. Ministering to one another, the saints, serving each other as we serve God. This is how hope in Christ can be our anchor. Because you have all these things that are going to be beating you over the head in life and you, you know, relationships and careers and jobs and just life happens, circumstances, sickness. And it's just, you know, you're despite all of that though, scripture is saying that you can be calm as long as your hope is in heaven. You can be assured. You can have peace. You can still have joy in spite of those things because ultimately your, your hope isn't here in this life and in these relationships or in the stuff that you have or in your health, even though those are all blessings and, and, and things that God has given us to enjoy, they are temporal. They're going to go away eventually. So regardless of circumstance, if we have hope in Christ, then we can be confident and immovable. Paul says this in Colossians 1, He has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Now listen to the condition. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard. That's a very long thought, I know, but he's not saying anything really fundamentally different than what we read in Hebrews 6, 10 through 12. Paul is making all the same connections between faith, hope, and obedience. And each of us has to make the choice to be faithful be obedient so that we can have hope. Appreciate you tuning in. I hope you join me again next week on Faithful Sayings.